It's the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Thursday, May 12th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that now gets to think about that fifth overall pick for a couple of months. It's prospect season. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ Cohen here on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all our episodes and the latest Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to look at the pros and cons of each of the different main options the Flyers can pursue with their fifth overall pick. We're going to get into it and see what we think the Flyers might end up doing in the end. And then we're going to profile draft eligible prospect Simon Nemich. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So there are several things the Flyers can do with this fifth overall pick. And I think the top option, which is the recommended option by a lot of quote unquote experts, I would say, is to just take the pick and choose the best player on their board at that time, whoever that may be. Yeah. I mean, that's the logical thing to do. But again, we don't know the plan of the team. We don't know the future plans. We don't know how they're going to con- construct the roster in the future. So those are things that sometimes can get in the way of just making the pick. And what's interesting is, like at five, since there's so much of the field left, like one thing I said on, on the, um, the roundtable was, like just make sure when you get there, your board's done, and if you're going to have like a slight little discussion at the table before the pick because maybe somebody dropped, great. But they should have a really good idea who their plan A, plan B, and plan C is before they walk in the building. And then if unforeseen things happen and an amazing talent in their mind drops based on where that person's on the board, then you might make a change. Or if they get a last-minute call and there's a trade they just feel like they can't pass up, you know, that's another layer. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that option a little bit later. But as far as the best player on the board, I think you're right. It's absolutely critical that the Flyers come into this draft with a very clear board of priority order of their top three or four choices at that number five pick, that they're clear on it, that everybody is in agreement. So it's a no brainer. And so that if somebody drops then they can have an effective conversation because they've already considered that that is a thing that could happen and they know where that person would slot in if they're not already in their top three or four picks because, Mm -hmm. God forbid, you know, someone like Slavkovsky drops that far, which I wouldn't think he would, but you never know. You never know. He probably won't, but the year that Angelo Esposito dropped, nobody foresaw that happening. 
Yeah. So I think that is the watchword here is is preparedness. And that's how you make a solid pick in terms of just going best player on the board, regardless of position, regardless of any of the other factors. You just look and say who is in the grand scheme of things going to make the biggest impact on the Philadelphia Flyers. And Mm -hmm. I I would certainly hope that they would be in that position and be in agreement. And, and like you said, come to the table with all of their information clear so that um, they can do that in, in the best way possible. I think, you know, as far as like cons for the best player on the board, there really aren't any. I think you can, you can never go wrong with that option. You know, unless you want to say one of the Russian players is just, for lack of a better term, a red flag because of what's mm-hmm. going on. I mean, Miroshenko is an amazing talent. Now he does have some work ethic issues, but like he's an amazing talent. I don't know how far he's going to drop. Same with Yurov. So, but you have mm-hmm. to discuss them, right? And yeah. at least sort of see what the situation is there when you're at the draft. Because remember, what's going on with Russian players today may not be what's going on with Russian players in July. So that's another, you know, factor. Yeah, I think they'll have to really keep up to date on all of that in terms of what the KHL is doing. I mean, they could be offering, you know, increased salaries for the next Mm -hmm. couple of years just to try and keep guys over there. You know, anything Mm -hmm. can happen. And that will definitely be a huge factor, I think, in drafting the, the Russian players for sure. The next option that the Flyers and their team could look at is picking somebody that they think is the closest to playing in the NHL. And with the strategy that Chuck Fletcher has talked about in terms of an aggressive retool, they're going to be inclined to look at options in free agency and look at their already existing projects and figure out who can get to the flyers and make an impact the soonest to make that turnaround go faster. And so when they're looking at the draft, they could be tempted to look at it in a similar way. Yeah. Like when Columbus took Cole Sillinger, did they feel like he was closest to the NHL? I'm not sure, but he won a job. And sometimes, you know, that happens. If the flyers do feel like somebody's closer, you know, like a Slikovsky, like a year check, it's going to be because of size. Even if you mentioned someone like Kemmel, you know, he probably still needs to get stronger. So I don't think, me personally, I wouldn't look at anybody at five like they could play on the team next year. Just wouldn't look at it. Yeah, I don't think I agree with this strategy at all. I think that realistically, whatever this aggressive retool is and whatever mm-hmm. they think they're doing that should not affect player development. Like you have to look at these guys in a vacuum and what's best Mm -hmm. for them in the grand scheme of things to get the most out of them as a player for the breadth of their career. And so to approach it in a way that could potentially rush them to the NHL and cause problems with their confidence, with their playmaking ability, whatever it is, I think that it's just a really risky approach to take. I agree. Um, with Euros, it's easier to rush them, though, right? Because you can get them, you can put them in the AHL, you can see how they do in the AHL, and then, you know, bring them up early if you want, 
or let them try out and make it in camp. They don't make it. They're still playing in the AHL. Like, there is a temptation there. There is. And I think you're right about the European players, too, from the perspective that a lot more of them have had a chance to play in, for lack of a better term, adult leagues playing mm -hmm. up against yeah. men, you know, whether they're in the SHL or the KHL. Those are like true pro leagues with mm -hmm. veteran players in them. And I think a lot of the guys we've been talking about in our prospect profiles have had those chances, whether it's in one of those top European leagues or in international play, uh, that is a benefit uh, of some of those players. And so again, that temptation could be there to just find one of those guys that could get to the flyers sooner rather than later. I will say it is interesting, the large percentage of the um, assumed top 10-ish guys that are European. And so um, everybody could be in this boat. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a few in the boat. But as an example, like I just did a, a mock, like right after the draft lottery for full press hockey. And I looked at the teams now that have these picks and what their needs are and the way they think. And what their philosophy is. And there was a pathway for like, you know, Matthew Savoy to actually be there at five. Will that happen in real life? I don't know. But if you were, I would think someone like Danny Briere would stand up and say, well, I, you know, there's mm -hmm. something about this kid that I see and, you know, and you that know, I like. It. Yeah, he, there is something in common there. Yeah. All right, there are a couple of other things the Flyers could choose to do with this pick. We're going to talk about them coming up next. But first, I want to take a moment to talk to you about Athletic Greens. I started using Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, and to optimize my immune system. Plus, I hate taking pills. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With just one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. Plus, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contain less than a gram of sugar. They've got no GMOs or nasty chemicals or artificial anything. Athletic Greens also supports better sleep quality and recovery. It also supports mental clarity and alertness. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. If you're a next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Russ. So the next possible option the Flyers could pursue with that fifth overall pick is to make a pick based on team need. 
So first, I think we have to talk about what are the team needs and you know what is the priority order that we think they would go in in this scenario. So at least from my perspective, I think the top three that they would be looking for is a dynamic forward who can score a lot. Mm-hmm. And then somebody who's a defenseman with top four potential, maybe right-handed if possible. And then third is a center. The Flyers are going to have some center depth issues. Yes, they're definitely going to have center depth issues. I agree about the defense. What's interesting is I don't think you always have to look for the right-handed shot guy in the first round. I think you're better off looking for the better guy. They're lucky Adder's a right-handed shot, right, as an example, who has offensive potential, and he's already cooking and marinating, so he's close. So I think that gives them a little more flexibility if they want to, you know, go after like Nemec or Yurichek, somebody like that, or even one of the other guys, you know, Matt Chuck. there's other guys. Uh, so I think you look at it that way and say, yeah, those are the things. My feeling is at five, you still might be able to get a guy who could play center in the NHL. Once you get past 10, it's less likely. And it is always easier to convert a center to wing. Like it just is. Yeah. So you're saying that below 10, there isn't somebody that could play center right away in the NHL, that they'd have to start out at wing and then maybe probably rotate true. to center later in their career. Yeah. I mean, there's always exceptions, but probably true. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So as far as the order of those needs, now, w- would you agree? Or would you prioritize something? Like no, no, I agree with it. higher. Okay. No, I like okay, your cool. orders right. Well, thank you, Russ. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, all right. So now that we've established what these needs are, would you recommend that the Flyers consider that in their number five pick? Well, if I'm there, and again, we'll just use like Savoy as the example. So... If I'm all of a sudden looking at my board and saying, oh, wow, look, we thought Savoy was going to be off at three, but we're here at four and he could be here at five. Uh, you know, that still suits your need, the dynamic forward. Like, that's it. That's to me, that's the mm-hmm. guy. And there's other ones, too. I mean, Camel, Lekaramaki. But to me, it's Savoy first. And so then I'm now sort of looking and, and hoping for Savoy, but still you know, have my backup plan. If, um, let's say Savoy is taken just ahead of me, then this is where you have the decision again. You could um, get that defenseman there. Now, if if Nemec is gone already and Juracek is there, Juracek, I think, is a just a world beater. And I just, I feel like he's underrated here because he didn't get to play a lot. He didn't get to show a lot because he got hurt in World Juniors. So, you know, recency bias definitely takes over against a guy like that. But if you want that kind of guy, because you're not sure what Ivan Provorov will be when your check is ready, well, then, you know, you take a chance and hope he could be a top-pairing guy. So that's where needing a lot of different things is a good Mm -hmm. thing because you look at kind of a flow chart of it. Yeah, it's just interesting because if you were... I did some graph talk there. I thought that would make you happy. No, it's really good. It's an interesting conversation because if you prioritize a dynamic forward who can score over a top four defenseman, just if you're making a ranked list, right? But you have Juracek available and Savoy available. 
in this in a crazy world, let's just say, right. do you right. just automatically go with Savoy because of your team need prioritization? Well, he would see that's where for me, based on this team need, team need check, best player available check. So that's where I think it checks off two things. Right, right. Yeah, I think that is for me where the line is, right? Where mm-hmm. if all things being equal, if you have multiple players available that are high, high, high on your list that are essentially in your board are essentially tied mm-hmm. and they're both available, maybe bump up the team need requirement a little bit more. But I don't mm-hmm. think there's any other scenario to me where you do that. I think you go best available if you have one clear guy on your board that is your priority based on how you've ranked them, regardless of that team need. But if it's really close, maybe consider that team need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but again, what's interesting is in the Flyers predicament, a team need and the best player could still check off two boxes for them. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Our last and probably most controversial option is to trade that number five overall, either potentially for a lower pick and second rounder, or maybe you get an active player to fill a current need and another lower pick, but some sort of trade down scenario. Right. So let's just use Buffalo as an example. I think they're at nine. So let's say Buffalo calls you up, you know, you're getting ready to pick and they're like, hey, we'll give you nine and like one of those second rounders you're missing. And, our, you know, our team stinks. They won't say that. But it's an early second rounder. <laughs> so now you have to look at that and say, hmm. Because, you know, Buffalo may say, hey, we really want one of those defensemen. This is, you know, what we're getting. Because, of course, the Flyers will ask, well, who do you want? And you always should ask who do you want before you even talk trade. Yep. Because that's if you calling me, you're at a position of strength, right? The Flyers would be. So so you do that. And then you, you decide, okay, if – it doesn't look like we're going to get, I don't know, a falling guy who's just an amazing talent to us at this spot. Is it better for us to pick at this spot, or do we think we could still get that still like dynamic scoring guy? Because I think in the top ten you can. I've you know I've identified some guys, and then still get something in the second where like I'll throw out a name. I'm interviewing him in about the next week or two, Adam Ingram. You look him up, he's a terrific player. He could be like that second round gold, which happens a lot. That's yeah. what you have to consider. Yeah, I think you have to consider any and all trade scenarios that are presented to you. And I and I think that what's important is that in these situations, the Flyers do negotiate from that position of strength yes. that you were talking about because there is going to be a fantastic option at five for the Flyers to take. So they can just dismiss whatever a team is offering them if they don't think it's good enough. My little worry is that they're going to maybe overemphasize consideration if somebody offers them a current player that they think can help them now, because I worry about their evaluation of current players, to be honest, just based on some of the deals they made in the off season and, you know, waiver pickups and, and all of that. I I just question their decision-making on that front. And 
in you're going to just have to be brave like Eagles yeah. fans were because they had the same worries about the draft. And, you know, what could you do? Like, these are the people picking. You can't do anything about it. It's out of your no. control. No, but of course, I'm going to worry anyway, because that's what I do. Right. <laughs> but right. I just don't want Chuck Fletcher to be tempted by what he thinks is a shiny object that really is is just dull. And that's that is my biggest worry. Now, it, in the scenario where they take a lower pick, I don't want it to go below like 12 or 14. No, I wouldn't either. That's why I said nine is a yeah. is a good one. Yeah. If they can get a second rounder and only drop to that, you know, max 12, 14, like I said, 100% willing to do that. I think getting two quality prospects is better than one for this team. And so I'm all for that. But this is, I think, the most difficult option to consider overall, because there are so many pros and cons, and it really depends on what the deal is that's on the table. It does. And like the one deal that I would never make is just trade this pick for a player, for a roster player. I, I'm not, not doing it. Not one for one. No. No, not doing there's, it. There's got to be some other incentive in there. If it's a player and a, a low first round, high second round pick, maybe. Then you consider but, it. Right. But there has to be a lot, maybe even multiple picks. So I think that that is a really important thing to consider as well. All right. Well, we are going to talk about one of those pick options uh simon nemich coming up next but first we're going to talk about bet online betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's stanley cup playoffs basketball playoffs and the major league baseball season bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Russ. Simon Nemec is a right-hand defenseman from Slovakia. And he is. we've heard a lot about this kid in the last several months. I think he has benefited from additional exposure to maybe some of the other European players because he was on Slovakia's national team mm -hmm. for several years. He's played for them for U18s as well as the World Junior level. And he was on the Slovakian Olympic team this year. So at the U18 level, uh, he's played seven games uh, one goal, six assists. In the Olympics, he had one assist. Um, I think, I, I feel like even though there was a lot of hype about him going into the Olympics, he was definitely overshadowed by Yaroslavkovsky in terms of the hype machine. Yeah, and I would have been on Eurocheck too if he'd have stayed healthy. Yeah, he started I, I off think like so a house too. on fire too. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think that hurt his game. I think he no. played a really good tournament. I, just from a spotlight perspective, maybe he was overlooked a little bit. But he's played really well in the league in Slovakia and mm -hmm. 
you know, he had uh, in 39 games this past season, a goal and 25 assists. You can tell what kind of defenseman he is based on that split. But he has also uh, performed really well in the playoffs, five goals and 12 assists in 19 playoff games, definitely improved over his previous season. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just overwhelmingly impressed with this kid. He has such a great two-way game and he's super smart and he sees the ice well. And for a defenseman, for me, that's the most important aspect of your game. Yeah, I mean, he's got a, a terrific breakout pass. He he skates really well. And I think it could get even a little better, but he knows where to find the um, open areas of the ice. He, he is playmaking ability with his passing, usually getting in on scoring attempts for his teammates. That's a big deal. Uh, smart does have an occasion to kind of like overwork uh, an offensive chance sometimes. That's something where he may have to pull back in a little. And mm-hmm. I have found that sometimes he'll take one too many penalties, but sometimes, you know, that's a real, a reeling in kind of thing that you have to do. But again, those are things where just because all the mocks have them in a certain spot doesn't mean teams are that are up where they are have him in the same spot. Uh, you know, there may be a team that says, yeah, you know what? What Russ is saying is true. I worry about the penalties or will his speed be good enough for the NHL? It looks great now and it looks great when he's got, you know, he's on big ice. That's for sure. But his physicality is good. He actually uses it. Um, He doesn't use it probably enough, but that may change when he gets over in closer quarters the way the NHL is. And so, yeah, overall, really solid two-way, good hockey IQ. He is that right-handed shot that you're talking about. Um, Do I feel some people might be putting him um, higher because he's a right-handed shot? Maybe. But you see, I can't do that. I I don't do that because even though it's a commodity in the NHL, it doesn't mean the teams that are going to draft need right-handed shots in their system, right? You just don't know. No, that's absolutely a fair point. And I I do think that there's been a recent bias toward that and the way Mm -hmm. that commentators talk about defense in the NHL. So it could just be that we are making assumptions on what teams are going to do based on how games are called right now, you know? So I absolutely think that's part of it. If you look at his ranking as of now, most people have him at three with a, a, you know, a few fours and fives sprinkled in there. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really going to come down to the wire in terms of where he's going to fall that, maybe people are going to have like a last minute surge about somebody else. That's a couple spots lower right Mm -hmm. now and think that they're going to make some brilliant move by picking this other kid over Nemich, who's been more established in the conversation for a while now. So I don't think it's impossible that he'll still be on the board. No. Uh, One of the scenarios though, that is possible that I'm not trying to say this to be a jerk, but you could like, as a Flyer fan, kind of gets your hopes up seeing him slip. Not you know he's not there in the top three, and then all of a sudden he gets taken fourth by Seattle. Like that definitely could happen, and so you have to be prepared for that mentally. I'm just letting Flyers fans know that be prepared for that mentally because Seattle definitely needs a defenseman, and I can see them going for one of the defensemen. 
Yeah. And what's great is that there's two of them. So yes. it's very possible that one of them will still be there. We don't know which one that Seattle is more likely to take at this point. But you so- also have to decide, like, do the Flyers need Nedich? Do they think he's the best player on the board? Like, so if it goes up with Nemich or Savoy, guy, two guys with completely different positions, then I have to kind of say, well, what's their impact on the league going to be? Um, do I think Nemich is a top pairing D-man? I'm going to assume he's got that in Could his be. ceiling. Could be. Um, but again, Ivan Provorov is a top pairing D-man, and some people are not happy with that. Just because you're a top pairing D-guy doesn't mean you're going to be in the top 10 of top pairing D guys, right? You might be like number 25. So, so you have to consider that. And then with Savoy, it would be like, Hey, can he be a top liner? You know what, what I always say, and I did say this on the round table last night draft with an eye on the future, because I've seen teams take big, slow guys. And then the league got fast overnight. And those guys never can make it because it's like the league's not like that anymore. Well, Nemich, that won't happen with, but I'm basically saying if all of a sudden you could see where this NHL in two, three years is going to be even faster and even smaller players are going to have bigger roles, then draft accordingly. Like you have to have some forethought there. And that's to me is a very important thing because, you know, one, one year, like the New York Rangers drafted for toughness. And my, my knock on them was, well, you drafted for toughness, but this guy's going to take three to five years to get there. Will you still need toughness then? Like, so, you you know, you have to look at that. Yeah, well, we shall see how it plays out at the draft, but Simon Nemich could be a, an option for the Flyers to take at the number five pick. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, I am a sucker for mock jersey designs and sometimes i just go digging around the internet for them this design is actually a couple of years old but it's a city flag edition design of the flyers so it is blue and yellow which is very shocking but i love the stripes on the sleeve and the liberty bell on the shoulder um i like it yeah actually um this is interesting it's way better than the jailbreak ones. Remember those? I don't know who wanted oh. those, but we still see them at a game once every like couple of years. But this is interesting. I like it. Um, I would do it. I would, you know, I would consider it. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's from bros underscore design. That's B-R-O-Z underscore design on Instagram. Good job, bros. Yeah. A, a really fun look. I liked what and... was going on in the shoulders, like, and yeah. the inside part of, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool option. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to look at the NHL award nominations so far, and then we're going to dig more into the big plan that the Flyers have. First off, do we think they even have one? And if not, what should it be? We will give our perspective on that. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your thoughts about the Flyers plan via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup final victory, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. 
Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.